So take out your Bibles, if you would, with me today and open to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers 13, we'll just be in Numbers today. My title today, if you're taking notes, is Grapes, Giants, and Grasshoppers. So it appeals to the foodies. How many of you are foodie people in here? All right, so we got fruit coming today. How many of you have ever eaten a grasshopper? No, we're not eating grasshoppers. How many of you are the sci-fi? You know, we're talking about giants, uh, and it's the sci-fi. Some of you are the sci-fi people, but we want to look at that today. Um, Let's bow our heads today, and let's pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts as we read these to hear what he would say to us today. So, Father, we stop and we pause today to listen to your voice. Lord, we thank you that you are speaking to us. And we tune our in ear to hear. And though you wrote these, had these written years and years before, there's something that you want to speak to us today. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So let me get to Numbers chapter 13. I do want to read one verse uh, to kind of set this up. And to remind us, as we do our daily Bible reading, we just started Judges. So we're getting through the Old Testament We are now in the book of Judges. If you want to download uh, the reading plan, you can go on our website. It's right there under the first thing under events, and you can download it. But I want to read this verse to start, Exodus 23, and it's the last part of verse 31. Exodus 23, 31. Remember, this is with Moses, and he's saying this to the children of Israel. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand. And you shall drive them out before you. So God's telling them, I'm going to give you the inhabitants, I'm going to give you the inhabitants of the land into your hands, but you are going to drive them out. So here's what God's saying. I'm going to go before you to set this all up, but who's going to drive them out? You've got to drive them out. If you read uh, a few verses up there, in fact, God uses this word. He says, I'm going to drive them out with hornets. You and I have had this happen. Maybe you're sitting in the backyard and a little gnat flies around you and you know sometimes you can hear it. What do you do with a gnat? Yeah, you kind of shoo it, shoo it away. Maybe a fly comes. What do you do with a fly? Same thing, shoo it away. Um, In our house, when I hear somebody scream that there's this massive, uh, huge spider in the corner of the house, I always know it's the littlest tiny thing that you need a magnifying glass. And I don't know why they just won't kill the thing and they need me to take care of it but many of you are scared of spiders aren't you boy a spider comes out but let me tell you if a bee shows up people they do the the funky chicken dance right they're moving they want to get out of the way of the bee and we're like don't no no don't do that don't set the bee up so if hornets are coming in do you think that's going to drive some people out no absolutely but when we read this remember god was going to give them this land They were going to have to drive out the people. I don't think they heard that. I'm going to give you the land, but you're going to need to drive out the people. So Numbers chapter 13, let me just read this first verse. Just so we see that Moses didn't come up with this plan. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving to the people of Israel, 
from every tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one of them, a chief among them. So God is the one saying to them, you're going to choose, it's going to be 12, there's 12 tribes, you're going to choose one man of every tribe, and they're going to be a spy into the land. Now notice what God says, the land that I am what? Giving to the people. Well, we just read that one verse in Exodus. I'm going to give you the land, you've got to drive the inhabitants out. Well, let me pick this back up now in verse 17. Let me read um, through verse 24. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Go up into Negrib, and go up into the hill country, and see what the land is. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds. And whatever the land, and wherever the land is rich or poor, or whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage. I like this. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Labo Hamath. They went up into Negrib and came to Hebron. Ihaman, Sheshai, and Talama. Can you imagine them writing on the map? Hey, did we pass that Sheshai place yet? Oh, yeah, we did. All right. Just want to make sure that we did pass it. The descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshul and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also bought some pomegranates and figs. And the place was called the Valley of Eshel because of the cluster. And the people of Israel had cut down from there. So they're going to check out the land. Is it good or is it bad? Are there cities? Are there strongholds? And I like what Moses, Moses is like the first drive through place. I want you to drive through, find a fruit stand. And when you're at the fruit stand, pick some fruit up and bring it back. So get this picture. I mean, in fact, the kids are coloring two guys and a pole with a cluster of grapes. And they're going to bring it back to the land. In fact, when we're going to read on a minute, it's going to be referred to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Now, how many of you like pomegranates? Anybody here like, oh, we got a lot of people. How many of you like figs? Just, oh, I've got a few. I love figs. In fact, I think I was the only kid in school when I had Fig Newtons. Nobody ever wanted to take them from me. But you take the chocolate chip cookie, right, and everybody wants. But Fig Newtons are good. Pomegranates are good. Grapes are amazing, except when you see grapes and you see how much they cost sometimes. And they disappear so quickly in your house. But they have this huge cluster of grapes that they're taking back, a visual sign. Well, let's pick this story up in verse 25. At the end of 40 days. So they're spying out this land for 40 days. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregants of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them 
the fruit of the land. And he told him, we came into a land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, flowing with milk doesn't mean that the streams were milk. Hey, look at milk, milk stream. No, it meant the grasses that their goats and sheep and other cattle and oxen would have to eat. This grass was so nutrient rich that it would cause them to produce such good milk. How many milk drinkers here do we still have? How many of you are kind of like me and I gave up milk when I was a little kid? All right, I got a few. Land flowing with milk and honey. Well, what does honey represent? Sweetness, the bees, that the bees were the ones pollinating all of the fruit and the grasses and everything that there was seen there. So it was truly a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And I like what it says here. And this is the fruit. Can you imagine the two guys with the pole and people looking at the grapes and thinking, wow. Well, they go on. However, everybody say however. However. So anybody says however to you, that's when you got to watch it, right? However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negrib. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Well, of course, everybody is going to want to dwell in that area because it's a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Go get a pole of grapes for dinner. Go get some pomegranates, some figs, whatever else they have. Take our oxen, our cattle, our sheep, our goats. Take them out to the fields. It's so rich. Of course, everybody's going to want to be there. But all of these groups that they just read, we just read a while ago that God said he'd do what? He's going to give you this land, but you're going to have to drive them out. I'm going to give you this land, but drive them out. But in verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought a bad, so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land, though with which we had gone to spy out, is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. That's your giants. And there we saw the <coughs> Excuse me, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Here's the proof. Here's the land. But we can't take it. It's not even worth it. In fact, Caleb's one, the Bible goes on, you can read about him. It said, but Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb knew what God had said. You know, uh, as we read this, how many of you remember growing up and getting a bad report card in the mail? Just about four of us truthful people? All right, we got a few more. Right? 
We'll, we'll have a time at the end of the service for liars. I mean, <laughs> you know, nowadays, you know, I get an email every night from my son's school. And it lets us know how he progressed in the day and quizzes. Every night we get an email. You know, when, when I was a kid, right, you, you got home and you could tell that there was nothing on the table except two chairs. And you knew that your progress report probably had come home. But you didn't know when it would come. But you tried. Did any of you ever try to intercept the mail? Because you knew that the report card had come home? No, nobody here. Am I the only, right? Am I the only one that you tried to, to intercept it because you knew you didn't get, a, get on a test and you knew that you were busted? And you knew it was a bad report. Boy, the land is everything that God said. There's also inhabitants, of course. But the people are now going to say, we, can't, we just can't do it. They're, they're stronger than us. But Caleb is the one that says, let us go and let's go now. In fact, let me read because this kind of gives us the picture that they saw themselves. And remember, they're not looking to their God. They're looking at themselves. When you look at yourself, that's when you get in trouble. What you've got to look at is you've got to look to the Lord. So let me read you a few, uh, a few different translations. So number thir Numbers 13, 33 at the end says, We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. The New Century Version says, We felt like grasshoppers. What did that mean? They felt so small. And we looked like grasshoppers to them. The century, uh, the Christian English uh, Bible says, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers and that's how we appeared to them. And then the Amplified Bible says this, and we were in our own sight, grasshoppers. Or we saw ourselves sm so small that it intimidated us to be in the land. You know, if I was to read on, we'll read on in a minute in chapter 14, a few verses. But if you read through Joshua, Joshua had the same thing happen to him that God says to Moses. He sends in spies. In fact, if you read on and you read about Jericho, when the spies went to Jericho and Rahab is the one that hides them, you know what Rahab says? For we had heard about you. Now, from the time that we're reading here in Numbers until in Joshua is, is probably about 38 years they're actually going to come into the land. They had already heard about the nation of Israel. We heard about you. We heard what your God did. We heard what your God did in Egypt. In fact, you can read on in Joshua chapter 9. It says, for we have heard a report of him talking about God and all that he did in Egypt. Joshua eleven fifteen, And he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. All along in all of these battles, there was a common theme. Oh, yeah, we heard about you guys. 38 years, 40 years back, we heard what your God did in Egypt. So God had already gone before them. But they were too afraid to go because of what they saw in themselves. Tell your neighbor, get your eyes off yourself. Right? Get your eyes off yourself. My son and I have these dialogues all the time. Um, when he's playing sports, he'll look up the other team and he looks up their records. And he thinks because he beat a team 
and the next team they're playing, the team they beat, whoop this other team, that this team's going to be easy, right? Well, we beat these guys, and these guys whoop these guys, and so we're going to whoop them. And I always say, time out, time out. That's just not how it works, right? It doesn't matter. They may have had an off day. They may have two kids that couldn't show up. You don't go into the game thinking that you can whoop them because that's what people do. And you know what happens? They get it handed right back to them. So one of the teams that he's playing this next year in the fall is a team that I played in high school. But our coaches built up this team so big, you would have thought we were playing Giants from Barstow. They said, man, on film, and I remember seeing the film, the grainy VHS tape. I mean, these guys look so big. Their field that they were on had stones in it. There was hardly any grass. And, you know, there's nothing to do up there in Barstow. These guys chew rocks. You know, that's their, that's their hobby. They break concrete. You know, they fight. And you guys are just going to get, you know, get whooped. Well, you know, when a coach says that, you know what you think? Yeah, we're going to get whooped. Until we get on the field. And yeah, they're big, but they can't do anything. They can't move. They're so slow. They're watching everybody go by. And I'll never forget. One of the games I'll never forget because the coach would say, all right, what position do you want to play? We're beating these guys so bad. What do you want to play? Can I run the ball? Yeah, you can run the ball. What do you want to play? I want to play wide receiver. Everybody was playing a different position because they were so bad. But don't go off of that report. Go off the report of the Lord. I went to one of Maverick's friends games this last fall. They had a sophomore kid on their offensive line with six, seven, 388 pounds. His behind was the size of the aisle. A running back's dream, right? Just follow his behind. You know, he'll take you all the way, you know. He's huge. Do you know when you read about these giants? So I went back through, you know, in Deuteronomy, we're told of King Og. That his bed was 13 feet and a half inch, uh, half inch long. 13 foot bed. We know Goliath. When we read about David and Goliath, we read and we go through and we read about the weight of his armor. And, you know, most people think he was 9 or 10 feet tall. That's tall, right? That's big. They're probably ugly. They're probably, you know, mean. They probably talk in those deep, you know, voices. Yeah, it's intimidating. But you're not there to go in the land on your own strength. You're there to go in because God said so. So let me look at a couple things here. All 12 spies saw the same potential in the land. They all saw the same resource. And they all knew that it would be a blessing to their nation. They've been wandering in the wilderness probably at this time for two years. They all saw the same thing. They all probably tasted of the same fruit. They all probably had to carry something back in of the fruit. They all saw the very same thing. They had been told over and over and over about God's covenant. And he made that covenant with Abraham that there was a land waiting for them. And they got to walk in the land. They got to see it with their own eyes. They got to take some of the fruit back. They could share with everybody of what they had taken back. Wouldn't it have been great, though, if all they had to do would pick grapes and get the land? Wouldn't it be great in our life if it was that easy? I just got to pick some grapes. Then I'm on easy street. Why is it there's always a battle? If you read through your Bibles, you're going to find out that the promised land has more battles 
than the nation of Israel faced in the wilderness of disobedience. There's more battles on the other side of the river. In fact, the first thing they do on the other side is they, they have to fight, but God fights for them. There's more battles in the promised land, but it's not to have our eyes on our situations. It's our God. All 12 spies saw the giants. All of them saw the giants. They saw these people as problems too big to overcome. We'll, we'll never beat them. Do you know what gets big guys out of a lot of fights and scrapes growing up? Is because they're big, right? Because nobody thinks they can take on big guys. But they forget. And we read it. That's why we read that story of David and Goliath. It wasn't David's accuracy so much as we know he was accurate. But it's who he knew. He knew the Lord is God. He knew that this giant was defiling his God. He wasn't afraid as a young man to go up against this great giant. So here's what I think is interesting. The God that shatters Egypt, right, by miracle after miracle has been providing in the wilderness, was now not going to be able to take care of the giants in the promised land? That's how they thought. In fact, you know, the Apostle Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. He says, for a wide door of effective work. In fact, some translations say a wide door of effective ministry is before it, but there are many adversaries. In fact, this translation, uh, English Standard says, for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. Paul's not saying, I can't go through the door and do this ministry because there's a lot of adversity. Paul's just letting you know, when you step through those doors, there is adversity. But it's not in your strength that you're having to fight. God is the one going before you. He's just wanting to find out if you'll go. Will you go? Though it looks like giants. Will you go? Israel now is going to face something that is going to be detrimental to them because they do not believe what God will do. In fact, let me read real quick in uh, Numbers uh, chapter 14. Numbers 14, verse 1. Then all of the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So, you know, that's called a mutiny. <laughs> so figure that one out. Okay, I'm going to pick a, a new leader and let's go back. Because, you know, if we have to cross the Red Sea, you know, we already saw God do that. And, of course, he's going to open the Red Sea for us to go back. And the Egyptians are going to welcome us with open arms. They're going to love us. <laughs> yeah, right. So they would believe to pick a new leader 
and have to get back to the wilderness, get back to the Red Sea, and go back to Egypt, and that would be better than just crossing over and fighting? That's what they thought. It'd be better not ever to go, not ever to experience it, to go back. In fact, when we read on, and it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and the people of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jeshua, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy is, is out there. It's an, increasingly good, it's an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread to us. We're going to eat them up, right? We're going to take care of them. They're going to be bread to us. Their protection is removed. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation was so excited, and they were ready to cross. No, it says they picked up what? stone to stone them we won't read on but you you can you can look and, and read what God says that only Joshua and Caleb will eventually enter that land and for the rest of the people it's going to be a 40-year funeral march we're going to keep marching around and around until they die off until the ones that actually believe get to cross through. But the ones that get to cross over are those two guys that we just read about that believe they could take it at any moment. You know, when God opens a door, you're always going to see problems. In fact, you should say, if it's too easy, it's too easy. There's usually some type of adversity. But the Lord will always go before you so that you are not overcome. He'll always go before you. I like Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. and We say this a lot. Not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's, let's all read that together. Ready? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not by what I have. It's by the Lord's spirit. Apostle Paul, I think, picks back up on this later, too. In Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Some of your translations will say, I can do all things through Christ. Notice the all things. All of those ministry things that you've called, all of those things you've called us into, I can do all those things because of Paul's strength. No, because of Christ's strength in me. We were in our sight as grasshoppers. We seemed so little. We were looking at them. I looked at the fruit, but when I looked at them, we couldn't do it. But Joshua and Caleb saw it differently. They saw it. They were the by faith people that aren't mentioned in Hebrews 11. They saw it a different way. They saw it God's way. They saw these giants as people in the way. Of God's promise. And I, as we open the uh, service up here uh, in Exodus 23, God said, I'll send hornets, right? 
That'll clear. Hornets all came in here right now. That'd clear everybody out in a heartbeat. Because God was going to go before them in all things. You know, Joshua and Caleb, they tasted the grapes. They saw the giants. They probably saw themselves as grasshoppers, but they knew that God would work on their behalf. They absolutely knew it. And here's how much they knew it. Because Caleb said, let's go right now. 40 days of already spying. Cross swimming over the Jordan River, spying out the land, swimming back, bringing fruit. And he's ready to go, right? That's day 41. Let's go. We can do it now because the Lord said so. Bow your heads if you would with me this morning. You know, when we read these stories in the Bible, they're not even stories. It's not history for us just to learn history. It's what God wanted penned so that when we read these things and we read these things, we could see into people's lives. We could see those that would stand up and follow what God says, but God also let us see people that could see everything, but when they saw something else, it discouraged them to the place that it wasn't just a discouragement, let's camp out here. It was a discouragement to go all the way back in bondage. And yet God heard the cries from Egypt into heaven and he saw his people suffering and he was going to move on their behalf and he was going to prepare a land for them, even driving out the inheritance and allowing them to fight. But they couldn't seize it. So Father, we come today. Our eyes deceive us. When mountains look too big, we retreat. But we understand we're flesh, but first we're spirit. So I pray today in all of us, Father, that there is a different spirit like a Caleb that understands and knows those promises of God. In fact, we know that they are yes and they are amen. And when we go back into our lives and we think about the promises that you have been speaking over our life, that we remember in everything you go before us. I won't look at it how it looks now. I look at it how you see it and God, you're at work. And I trust that today. I trust that you are at work. Oh, I like to look at the fruit. I don't like to look at the giants. Oh, yeah, I might look small in that side. I may not have what I need to have, but I don't look to what I have. I look to you. And so, Father, we come today, readjust the way we see ourselves because we're not to look at us. We're to look to you, not by might nor by power but by your spirit, says the Lord. I can do all things through Christ. That what? Strengthens me. I pray today, Father, strengthen us with that power that only comes from Jesus. And that when we see situations and problems come, that they are only obstacles that you will help us fight. And we bless you today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
always remember that one part. When they finally go across the Jericho, the people are saying, we'd already heard about you. We heard what your God did. And they probably shook their heads thinking, oh, we should have gone so much earlier. We heard about your God. We heard what he did to the Egyptians. We were afraid of you. And a small little nation of Israel that they were afraid of. These guys were traveling and carrying their tents, right? They didn't have a strong fortified city. They're camping where they're, they're, they're glamping, right? Wherever they go. But God was going before them. Stand with me if you would today. And as we close with our, our, our time of worship, would you remember this? That God's already going before you, right? Don't look at what you can see today. He's already going before you. Let's worship together. Verse 14, verse 9 says, only do not rebel against the Lord. And then you scroll down to verse 11 and it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. Refusal to be obedient to the instructions of the Lord is rebellion and unbelief. It keeps the promise at a distance. You'll always be able to see it, but you'll never attain it. Disobedience and unbelief. There's a little song we used to sing. It's old school church. And it went, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Trust and obey. It can look like the biggest giants in front of you. And believe me today, there are some that stand before me. I'm little to begin with. So everything looks bigger to me. They look insurmountable. And in fact, in reality, it is impossible. But Michelle, Mimi, Jen, Kathy, Sam, Francisco, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I sent a text out last night to somebody that, um, honestly, I'd just been thinking about them, and I wanted to share something about something that was going on. And I just said, if it means nothing to you, disregard it. It was merely on my part, obedience to send it. It does not matter the instruction. He just wants your obedience. And obedience leads to a life of the promised land. And the promised land was on earth. This is not just the promised land in the sweet old by and by. He wants you to be enjoying heaven on earth. 
Amen. Don't you want that? I want it. And I not only want it for me, I want it for my kids. And I want it for my family. Trust and obey. I never want it said of me or my household or my family. How long will they not believe me? What an indictment by the Lord. How long will they not believe me? We are not a church, and we are not a church family that the Lord will ever look at and say, how long will the Hills Church not believe me? Will you look at your neighbor and say, we are people of belief. We are people of belief. We are people of belief. And we will enter the promised land. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, we will enter the promised land. I like grapes. How about you? I ain't too fond of milk, but hey, if you like it, there's plenty of it there. On that note, we are going to enjoy some food and fellowship together today. If you need prayer after service, you're just saying, I need somebody to stand in faith with me, to trust and obey. Do not hesitate to make your way down here and let us pray with you. When we combined our faith, the Bible says two are better than one. And let's do that together. Come down and receive prayer. But let's get ready for some fellowship next door. Ladies, don't forget, we are going to do table talk lunch April Saturday, April 13th at Panera Bread in San Dimas. It's going to be a fun time. And Easter eggs. Bring Easter eggs filled for our Easter egg hunt on Easter Sunday. If not, and you would like to donate, you can drop it off in the offering. Um, what's that called right there? Um, no, if they want to donate towards it in the little box on the in the back wall. God bless. Let's pray for our lunch. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your house and for the family that gathers here. Lord, I pray that you bless them, bless their week, bless their they're going out and they're coming in. And Father, I thank you that the giants that stand before them, they are not too big because you are with them. Lord, bless our food and our fellowship. Thank you that you take sickness and disease from us and you give us long life in Jesus' name. Amen.